Hey everybody, we're still here at Jamstack Conf in San Francisco. And I'm talking to Tammy Everts. She's the CXO of Speedcurve, and she's gonna be speaking, are you speaking tomorrow or? Tomorrow today? morning, 11.30. Right, but I, I get this access to the speakers and you know, <laughs> so, so anyway, you, the conference will be over by the time you hear this, so it won't matter. But yeah, Tammy was telling me a little bit about some of the stuff that she's talking about tomorrow with website performance, specifically with JavaScript performance. I've been wondering about this too. I mean, devchat.tv is built on the Jamstack, right? Yeah, I pulled in all these third-party scripts, and then I wonder if it if it's going to bog it down, or you know what the implications are. And, you know, Google gives me a decent speed, so you know score. Okay. Oh, so you're using Google Lighthouse scores yeah. on your pages? Okay, cool. Yeah. So I'm watching it, but yeah, I wonder still, you know, because I mean, getting a good Lighthouse score is it means that I'm doing, you know, it's not going to penalize me on SEO. Mm -hmm. But I still want a great experience for the people who are coming to the website, so. Yeah, I love the Lighthouse scores. I think they're really helpful. We've actually, we've, we've integrated Lighthouse with SpeedCurve, like so we obviously oh, nice. think they're really helpful so you can get Lighthouse scores when you use SpeedCurve. The caveat with Lighthouse though, especially for JavaScript performance, and then especially for third-party JavaScript performance, is it's just giving you little synthetic snap, like you know, snapshots uh -huh. of how things are actually performing. So what it's not able to capture for you are all of those moments, and there are definitely moments, with, especially with third parties, when your JavaScript is failing. Right. And you can have a great Lighthouse score and still have chunks of the day, chunks of your week, when you still have really unhappy users. Oh, really? Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. We're sitting here in the glamorous lounge area of the conference. Yeah, we're, we're out here yeah. in the sponsor area. And <laughs> I put some stickers out so people can pick them up. So. Awesome. So yeah, so really user monitoring is kind of like a, it's like a movie. It's like looking at what right. all your users are doing. You probably know all yeah. this, but for the sake of your, your listeners. Yeah, I installed some of that scary third-party JavaScript to watch them, right? Yeah. That's where you can actually drill down and figure out, okay, well, what are, how are your scripts actually behaving in the wild? Right. So when you have unhappy users, is it because the JavaScript is impacting the page, or is it because their JavaScript isn't playing nice with somebody else's JavaScript? Yeah, it's a good question. So there's a couple of things that can, are happening with JavaScript, or there's more than a couple of things, but right. loosely we can put things into two buckets. So you can have JavaScript that is like blocking JavaScript, right. and everybody knows you're supposed to avoid that and load your JavaScript asynchronously whenever you can, and, or defer it if possible. And blocking JavaScript is obviously a big problem because your page won't render if right. you've got a bit of blocking JS. Um, and people kind of know about that. 
but then there's this kind of like lesser known or in some for some people it's a completely unknown thing which is just that you can have non-blocking javascript right. that still is making your pages really janky because it has a high blocking cpu time and that's a uh, metric that's kind of new it's really uh -huh. only been available in um, kind of the, the, the mainstream performance tools right. in the past little while, like Google just added it. Uh -huh. uh, we added it at Speaker a few months ago, or maybe maybe it was a year ago. Time goes by really fast. And so what it's measuring is just how long it takes for the JavaScript on the page to kind of settle down and stop crashing. So like a right. kind of 50 milliseconds after that point. And then uh, you can have pages that have no blocking CPU, the JavaScript size is constant, the number of scripts on your page is constant, but your blocking CPU, I'm gonna draw this in the air, because I know people love that in video podcasts, yeah. <laughs> but basically your, your blocking CPU time can be this crazy wavy line on a time series chart, right. because it's it's going up, it's going down, it's performant, right. it's not performant, all depending on, on kind of how it's rendering on the page. I gotcha, so is this something that I'm gonna see, or am I am less likely to see on like my high-end developer machine, than maybe on a, a phone that has you know just one CPU in it. Yeah, if you if you look at so the the nice thing about you know kind of using synthetic tools or looking at your real user data is with synthetic you can adjust your parameters. You can test across a variety of different devices. And yeah, you're you're going to see higher blocking CPU times on mobile devices, right. but you'll still see them on desktop right. definitely, especially with third parties. Interesting. So how do you go about? figuring out if you have this problem? You do some type of testing. Okay. So you can use Speakerb, you can use other tools to measure right. this. Um, Google Lighthouse measures it now. You can see when you get your scores, you can see uh, blocking CPU time. Uh, you can see metrics like uh, time to interactive or first CPU idle, all of these metrics that kind of are meant to give you a gauge of right. just, you know, how, how things are performing in terms of your JavaScript settling right. down. So, like, yeah, Lighthouse does it. Um, we do it at Speedcurve. So pretty much any synthetic tool, I think people are, are finally right. catching up and adding this now that it's being supported by the browsers. Gotcha. So I guess the other question is, is are there general rules of thumb that people can just follow to avoid some of these issues in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I think the first rule of thumb is just reduce. It's like it's like it's like the three R's of recycling. It's uh -huh. like you know, produce first. Like right. make sure you've got the job. Make sure that all the JavaScript on your page actually needs to be there because right. I look at a lot of waterfalls uh -huh. um, with what I do on a daily basis, and I have calls with customers where we look at waterfalls together with speaking customers. We look at their waterfalls together, and these are people who are pretty on it, and they'll look at a waterfall on a page and they're like, why do we have that there? Right. You know, what, what is that script even doing? I thought we got rid of that a while ago. And so yeah. you still got to, you know, rogue scripts that are just kind of little ghosts that are, are, are you know, right. possibly hurting performance. So that's one. Monitor. Now that you can track things like blocking CPU time and you can actually ideally kind of graph them alongside other metrics like total JSIs or uh, number of scripts in your page, or, uh, you can actually take this to the vendors themselves and say, look, I know your, your, the size of your script isn't changing and, and the number of requests that you're making isn't changing, right. but you're doing, you're doing this, I'm doing the wavy line in the air again. You're right. doing this to my pages and sometimes vendors just don't know. So I think right. kind of working with vendors and helping them, the best vendors want to be better. Right. So I think having just a friendly relationship with them and letting them know so that they can look into what the issues are at their end. Right. And yeah, then and then doing things like, you know, you can set performance budgets on yeah. 
your, on all of your metrics, uh, that, or at least the ones that matter, and uh, and include you know your CPU metrics there as well. Right. One other thing that I'm wondering about is if, because you know we have people that work on all, all all parts of the stack, right? And so let's say that one of our listeners works for one of these vendors, what kinds of things can they test to make sure that it's not going to cause these problems? See, that's more of a developer question. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't even hazard a guess. Pull, pull it into a page and make sure that it's not yeah, doing like, these kinds of things. And actually test it across a variety of devices, a variety right. of connection types, that sort of thing. Like, don't just kind of do this whole, like, you know, yeah, we're kind of just testing on two or three different right. browsers, two or three different device types. You know, kind of, I think it's something that people can easily lose sight of is just cool. how the cohorts of, of their users, their audience, kind of fall across a lot of different right. geographies and bandwidth types and things like that. Makes sense. What exactly does Speed Curve do in this arena then? So uh, thanks for asking. So this is my little, little product pitch. We uh, we do uh, synthetic and real user monitoring. So um, our customers use our tools to measure a variety of metrics. So kind of do the synthetic testing that I was talking right. about earlier, where you kind of configure different test scenarios, test environments, and then right. you gather your data over time so you can uh -huh. see if you're getting things, if you're if you're making things better or worse. Right. And uh, kind of monitor trends, and including um, specifically tracking individual third parties, which is a really right. helpful thing to be able to do. Kind of see who your your poorest performers are, set right. performance budgets on them, so that you get alerted whenever your uh, metrics go out of bounds for any of those those poor performers. And then in the, on the the real user monitoring side, it's actually just look at the entire breadth of your users right. and see what how they're experiencing your site. And then the kind of cool thing that you can do with RUM, because we're also capturing things like um, bounce rate, or you can add things like your conversion rate data, you can actually do really interesting mashups in your in your charts, right. where you can look at things like the impact of the total JavaScript, or the total blocking CPU time on your page, or any of these other metrics on conversions and on bounce rate. And right. so you can, see some, you can create really, really interesting correlation charts, which I'll be showing in my talk tomorrow. Very cool. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So if people want to try out Speed Curve, is there a place they should be going to do that? Yeah, we offer a free 30-day trial. Um, they can just go to our website, speedcurve.com, and there's a big free trial button up, up in the top right corner, just nice. like every other SaaS vendor out there, so pretty easy to find. If they have any questions at all, they can um, actually email me directly, Tammy, at speedcurve.com. Awesome. If, if people want to follow you online, are you on Twitter or anywhere else, too? Yep, I'm on Twitter, um, at Tam Everts, T-A-M-E-B-E-R-T-S, okay. um, is a good place to find me. And then I also write on the Speaker blog, so which is available on our site. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming and talking to me for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks and, for And uh, yeah, I'll encourage people to go check out the talk. I'm assuming they're recording them, and if they're not, then sorry you missed out. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are being recorded. So, I think yeah. so, too. Awesome. Thanks, All right, well, thanks for being here. Yeah. We're shaking hands, everybody. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> visually dictate. And then I lean back. It's and, over. And, yeah. <laughs>
Adventures in Angular is a devschat.tv production made in partnership with Hero Devs. Hero Devs is a group of Angular experts who can help your team code like true developer heroes. If your team needs an Angular expert, reach out to Aaron at hero.dev today. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.